0: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad. Well,
1: it's the show. That's more exciting than an average episode of murder. She wrote inside sports on 630 Chad. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My goodness. They are playing a game in a cornfield, an actual major league baseball game in a cornfield. The field of dreams game tonight. In Iowa, the Yankees and the White Sox, they're into the third inning now. The White Sox, the home team, and they have a one-nothing lead. The Blue Jays on the diamond a little bit later on, start just after 7:30 tonight. They will take on the Los Angeles Angels. Also, CFL week two kicks off tonight. Also in about 90 minutes, the Stampeders home to the Lions, both teams beaten. In week one, Michael Riley not starting tonight for the Lions. Going to be Canadian quarterback Nathan Rourke starting once again under center. Remember, he started last week. Riley came in in the second half, and then uh, Rourke went in near the end of the game as well as the Lions came up short in that furious second half rally against the Saskatchewan Roughriders. The Edmonton Elks practicing today tuning up for the Montreal Alouettes on Saturday, five o'clock kickoff at Commonwealth earlier start and our coverage here on six thirty. 30 will begin at three 30 in the afternoon with the countdown to kickoff Morley Scott, Dave Campbell, Brendan S. Scott, Blake Dermott and Eddie Steele, all part of our broadcast crew. And Eddie Steele is uh, going to check in tonight. Really uh, awesome addition to our group here At 6.30, Chet, to talk Elks football and who knows what else we're going to get into with uh, Eddie. He's always fun to chat with. Oilers news today as they continue to round out that roster for the upcoming season. And uh, a name that was on the club last year, though his playing time was limited because of an injury, is coming back. Slater Cuckoo, who'd spent the last couple of weeks as an unrestricted free agent, signing a two-year deal. With Edmonton, the average annual value, $925,000. And I'm pleased to be joined on the line right now by Slater Cuckoo.
0: Slater, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, Fresh off, signing two more years with Edmonton. I'm excited for the opportunity and and, uh, really looking forward to uh, this year and the following. We got some new additions and uh, we'll be hungrier than ever. Well, that's good to hear. Obviously, you know, a few things I, I want to touch on from this
1: past season, but tell me about, you know, once again, going through the process of uh, a free agency, and it has been a couple of weeks here since it, it opened. Like like, .com. W- what what happens for a player in that situation? Are, are you talking to a lot of teams? Are, are are you listening? Did you always think it was good going to be Edmonton? I'm just hoping you can kind of take everybody through this journey for you.
0: Well, it was um, after the season kind of ended, it was a little bit of a sour note just based on how we went out and um, uh, everything like that. But uh, we were always in contact with Edmonton. I knew it was a good spot. I enjoyed my time there and uh, got along with the guys, got along with the coaches. So, um, you know, it took a few weeks to get the uh, deal done. Uh, I ended up, yeah, I hit free agency and uh, Edmonton circled back and, and we were able to get a deal in place. So, that felt good and uh, going somewhere that I know and uh, that familiarity is, is really nice to have. I'm just wondering how you
1: look back on this past season. And I remember you and I talked right around Christmas time when you signed and you were ready to go and fit in and contribute and, and you were doing that. And then you suffered a pretty major injury that kept you out a long time. And you only played 18 regular season games. Is it, uh, I mean, what do you get out of a season like that? Uh, how do you sort of reflect on it?
0: Well, it's, it's tough. It's a tough balance for sure. Um, anytime something like that happens, it's, it's a blow to, um, your potential for the season. Um, me personally, and also what I could bring to the team. So that was hard and, and going through that was emotional. I, I leaned a lot on my uh, family for support and, um, everyone in my life. So that was great. Um, but going through that, it, it's an emotional roller coaster. It's, it's ups, it's downs, it's uh, getting to know your training staff a lot better. So um, that's one aspect where I thought I um, got along with everybody around the room. But you're not around the team that much. So uh, I, I look forward to building more, more of a friendship with uh, a lot of the guys on the team because when you're out or you're not playing, you're not in the room all the time and and not uh, getting to mingle with the guys as much. So that's something that I really look forward to in these next two years.
1: I will say this, Slater. You had one of the social media posts of the season, perhaps one of the most memorable. You put the x-ray of the broken collarbone (laughs) on social media, which uh, had a wide ranging reaction because, of course, some people have trouble seeing broken bones and injuries and stuff like that. Whereas other people were just like, well, good for him for being open about it, because sometimes athletes and teams don't discuss injuries very much. Tell us about the decision to post that and then the, the reaction that you got.
0: Well, I got in a little bit of trouble from uh, various sources on releasing that information. Kind of, uh, just that they didn't know if a nurse sent me the picture, but I ended up clearing it up that no, I took a picture of the computer screen myself. Like, it wasn't leaked. It wasn't leaked or anything like that. It was just, I don't know. I I like to keep people informed. I know there's a time where secrecy is uh, is obviously needed. Just just so that people aren't targeting you, but I felt that you know nine out of ten people knew that the collarbone was broken or or something had happened. So, uh, and I let it heal uh, from the doctor's recommendation. So it's back to uh, feeling great and uh, stronger than ever. So, but that was definitely uh, yeah an interesting thing that I didn't even realize that it was a big thing until people started saying, you know, nobody ever releases their injuries. And I was like, Oh, well anyways, so that was okay.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, thanks for reflecting on that Slater Cuckoo joining us tonight on inside sports. The defenseman gets a new two year deal to return to the Edmonton Oilers and you know, you mentioned uh, how last season ended, obviously, uh, very disappointingly and those three uh, heartbreaking overtime losses to the Jets. So, of course, some changes were made and uh, one of them is is a familiar face. You're going to be a teammate with Duncan Keith again, who you were for a couple of seasons in Chicago. Tell me what you expect Duncan to add to the team. Obviously, his resume is uh, one of the best this century, quite frankly.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's a great ad for Edmonton. I was really happy uh, when I saw that, and it's good for him personally being closer to his family. And um, so I was happy, and I reached out to him then. And then today he reached out to me saying how happy he was that uh, I'd be around the room. And you know, Dunks and I have a pretty close friendship off the ice. Uh, you know, we'd go to dinners and stuff in Chicago, and uh, we became fairly close over those two years. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him. And uh, as for what he's going to bring, he's going to bring a ton of uh, experience, a ton of knowledge and uh, be really good to those uh, younger players on our team who haven't been through what he has. So uh, I enjoyed my time with him in Chicago and uh, I can't wait to see him come training camp.
1: Well, and, and you on the back end, you know, Keith is there and, and Darnell Nurse is there who got a new contract and it was, it was a pretty big step forward here for Nurse, I thought, better in the offensive zone, played a ton. I mean, what did he play, 60 minutes, <laughs> triple overtime game. Uh, and, and, and again, I know you mentioned you're, because of the injury, you were not around the, the dressing room as much as you would have liked, but what, like, give us the context of, of Darnell uh, as a teammate and what he means on the back end.
0: Yeah, he's obviously uh, a huge piece of that team and um, a huge piece going forward, as you saw with his contract. So, um, But as for in the room, he's just a all-around great guy. He's a guy who always has a smile on his face, um, but a very fierce competitor on the ice. So uh, looking forward to obviously seeing him come camp and uh, looking forward to seeing what he can do on the ice. What's
1: it been like for you uh, working out skating? How much downtime do you take after your team is eliminated? And, uh, I mean, have you been out uh, skating with guys already?
0: Yeah, I took, I took a fair amount of downtime just because, um, you know, like uh, we were talking about earlier with the collarbone, uh, a lot of people don't know that, you know, when I came back in the playoffs, that collarbone was only 60%. Uh, bone healed so but I had a, I had a metal plate in there so it it was kind of a weighing of um, risk versus reward and and we felt that it was secure enough but getting that extra time was actually uh, so valuable after the season to really let that bone heal and uh, allow it to get back to full strength so but I'm back skating now and, and working out hard so it'll be uh it'll be a hard couple of weeks here to get ready and make sure that I'm all set for uh, to start of training camp.
1: Okay. Well, I, I did not know that about the, the bone healing and, and the metal plate metal plate. And that's sort of the, the threshold, I guess they're, they're comfortable bringing somebody back. Uh, before I let you go kind of just a different angle here, but you were an oiler for a year and you're going to continue to be an oiler for a couple of years. I I don't know if you really felt like an Edmontonian because I don't think you got to experience the city, (laughs) which hopefully you'll get to do this coming season.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that too. Uh, Just being able to maybe go to restaurants or uh, see the city a little more. I did enjoy my time. I did. uh, Once the weather got nice there in the springtime, I would always be on walks down in the river Valley and, um, it was just a, it was a nice place for sure, and um, that weighed into my factor on coming back. And you know, a lot of people, a lot of people uh, fear the cold of Edmonton. I spent two years out at Notre Dame in Saskatchewan, so I'm not, uh, I'm not too afraid of the cold weather. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Well, again, congratulations on the new
1: deal. We appreciate you making time for us here on Inside Sports. All the best, and we'll see you at camp.
0: All right. Thanks, Reed.
1: Slater Cuckoo actually checking in from Florida, where he currently is, doing that interview, re-signing for two years with the Oilers' average annual value of $925,000. So a depth defenseman who I thought – Played his role fairly well when he was on the ice last season. He didn't get into a lot of games because of the injury. He only played 18 regular season games, 17 before getting hurt. And then the one right at the end of the year, he did score a goal early in the year against the Montreal Canadiens, did play every game of the Oilers, four-game sweep at the hands of the Winnipeg Jets, and he had one assist in that series. So a little bit more depth from the Oilers' blue line. We'll look at the players who are there when we get back to Inside Sports. tonight we will give away once again as we've been doing all week four more passes for you to spend a day golfing at edmonton springs golf we'll have a little bit of golf trivia as i suggested yesterday because our last two winners in this contest have been named norm or norman the question today will be centered on greg norman one of the all-time greats didn't win as many majors as he should have along the way but it will be a greg norman themed question if you want to study up or call your buddy who is a greg norman expert a greg normanologist so to speak can you study that at school i'm taking greg norman 101 i, I got my phd yeah. in greg norman i don't know if they have that class but it will be a greg norman themed question a little bit later on on inside sports tonight thanks a lot for tuning in tonight you can get in touch on the hotline, 780 496 0063. It is presented by Certainty Professional Grade Building Materials. That is also the same number to send me a text message. Follow me on Twitter at Reid Wilkins, R E I D W I L K I N S. Wilkins spelled like Dominique, for those of you who remember that NBA great. And he was on the show a few years ago. And uh, you can email the show, Inside Sports at 630 Ched dot com always appreciate hearing from you good to talk to slater cuckoo interesting the gave a little bit of information there about the collarbone injury that when he came back from from the injury to play in the last game of the regular season he was about 60 percent bone healed but because he had a metal plate in there it was deemed safe to play And when he did get hurt in February, we weren't sure if and when he was going to come back. I mean, they kind of said, I think, three or four months at the time. So it was a maybe for the playoffs. He started practicing late in the regular season and uh, then got into the Mm -hmm. postseason, kind of pushed Caleb Jones down the depth chart a little bit. So the way I'm looking at the Oilers now on the on the back end, here are their top eight defensemen. You got Darnell Nurse, you got Duncan Keith, Tyson Berry, Chris Russell, Evan Bouchard, Slater Cuckoo, Cody Cece, and William mm-hmm. Lagesson, And then you couple that with uh, the 15 forwards we were talking about yesterday. And then I'll put three goalies in the mix, Mike Smith, Miko Koskinen, Alex Stalock. And I, it's amazing how much I get asked about Alex Stalock, considering he never played a game for Edmonton. Uh, but he is, you know, likely going to come to camp and push. I know some people have been putting up highlights and videos of him kind of playing uh, some summer hockey. And you know, Stuart Skinner wants to take a charge at it as well. I'm not sure if he's going to be on the NHL roster at least to start the season. So I, I think right now you have 15 forwards competing for 13 or 14 spots on the opening day roster then you have eight forwards competing for seven or eight spots and three goalies likely competing for two spots and would the oilers carry three goalies i'm not so sure about that okay we got to call a quick timeout more hockey talk later in the show we will visit with eddie Steele when we get back he is a joy to have on the program former member of the double e football team now
2: you ready showtime
1: analyst for us here on 630 shed that's coming up after the news and weather. now 3-2 for the uh, yankees bottom of the third in the field of dream games <laughs> All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Bottom of the third in the cornfield in Iowa for the Field of Dreams game in Major League Baseball, and it is the White Sox leading the Yankees 5-3. Blue Jays start in about an hour against the Angels, also about an hour away from kickoff at McMahon in Calgary. Stampeders taking on the Lions to begin week two of the CFL season. We just had Slater Cuckoo on the show, who uh, has uh, is coming back to the Edmonton Oilers. He was an unrestricted free agent for the last couple of weeks and uh, he decides to come back to Edmonton, said he liked his time here, didn't get to play a lot, said it was tough, missing time uh, with the injury, the collarbone injury, said you can't be around the, the team and feel as much a part of the team as you would like. But he is coming back, two years, $925,000 per year for Cuckoo. I already some, see some people freaking out on social media, I, uh, I posted that interesting clip that he gave us where he said, a lot of people don't know that when I came back, that collarbone was only 60% bone healed, but I had a metal plate in there. It was kind of weighing risk versus reward. We felt that it was secure enough. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't know that. Uh, I, it, was, it was great that he revealed that during the interview. Um, you know, what he explained was that because of the metal plate in there, he was cleared to play, even though the bone wasn't 100% healed. And uh, I I would think that if we truly knew behind the scenes uh, what was going on with athletes and ailments and injuries, we would probably be uh, shocked how often we would hear things like that. But he was cleared to play, and um, he played. And and, and they put him in the lineup. So I I, I think it's an interesting story. Well, that's that's Twitter. People are going to lose their minds uh, no matter what. But a a guy who I'm sure... um, Played with several bumps and bruises and tried to always fight back from injuries as soon as possible is now on the line, former defensive tackle in the Canadian football league. He played nine years. He won a great cup with Edmonton in 2015. Eddie Steele is on the line. Eddie, uh, I I I I, I'm guessing there were, there were a lot of times you were pleading to a trainer or a coach to, to let you in and, uh, and hoping you got that clearance to play throughout your career.
2: No, Reed, you're you're absolutely right. There was uh, plenty of times where you play hurt, and that's kind of the reality, especially as a lineman in the trenches. That's what you do. It's kind of a, I hate to say it, but it's a badge of honor playing through injuries. And probably the worst one I've ever played through was a torn bicep tendon in the 2014 season. And my bicep was literally torn off of the bone. It was a big ball of meat and all I could do was try and wrap up to tackle with my right arm because the left bicep was torn, and it wasn't fun, but you got to do what you got to do, especially having a new coaching staff in play with Coach Jones, and you want to show them and impress them, and that's what you got to do. It's kind of the nature of the beast with football.
1: Okay, so I, I, I'm hoping you can describe that a little further, the torn bicep tendon. Can you tell us how it happened, how it felt, and how it was treated and all that kind of fun stuff? That, that's... uh. It sounds like you really battled there
2: yeah it uh, it was a tough one and you know i was coming off a really successful 2013 season with under, under coach cavis reed and then we had a brand new coaching staff with jones and i tore my bicep in camp and i was totally determined to try and make the team but not just make it but be a starter on that team so with the torn bicep when i tore it i remember in training camp specifically because the tendon is like a rubber band so when you tear it, it kind of snaps up and peels up kind of like a rubber band, as I alluded to, and it gets all tight and it becomes a ball. And then as it's a ball, it obviously doesn't straighten out and you can't just go in there and pull it straight. It's it's all tight and whatnot. So I tore the bicep in and it was a big knot. And then what, every time I would go and try and tackle with my left arm, it would just be excruciating pain because you can't extend it, you can't straighten it. You want to pretty much keep the arm at 90 degrees. So for the first probably nine weeks of that season in 2014, I had it taped up like a mummy pretty much, and I couldn't do anything with it. I was like playing with one arm, but I was so hell-bent determined to try and not just make the team, but have an impact because I was pretty hungry at that point in time in my career and just to try and prove the naysayers that I could still play ball. And uh, that's kind of what I did. So it was tough, but yeah, I did it. So, did you? But you must
1: have missed some time, or, or did you have trainers saying like, "No, you you can't go"? Or what? Like, <laughs> it seems like it's the way you're describing it. Is it, it just sounds pretty serious from what you're describing?
2: Yeah, you know what? Typically, you do miss time. But I was at a point in my career where I was coming off a career-ending injury, potentially coming off a torn patella tendon in 2012. And uh, Edmonton gave me an opportunity to play in 2013, and I tore my bicep in training camp in 2014, and I had some success late in the season in 2013, and I wasn't going to be held back. It, uh, you know, call it pride, call it ego, but I just was not going to be held off the field, so I just played through it. And like I said, it was terrible the first six, seven weeks of the season because I couldn't even use my left arm to tackle It was taped up, like I said, like a mummy. It was taped up pretty much at 90 degrees. But we had a new staff in with Coach Jones, and I just wanted to prove them right and prove that I could do the job. And, you know, lo and behold, I ended up having my best career season as a football player ever that year with a torn bicep. But it it, it was definitely a factor of me telling the trainers – no, I'm good to go because they try and hold you out. They want to do their due diligence, excuse me. But I said, you know what? I got to play. And, uh, looking back at it, I wouldn't change a thing, Reed. I wouldn't change a thing.
1: Well, this is an, this is an amazing story. I I actually didn't know. Like I wanted to ask you after the cuckoo comment, but I, I didn't know the extent of the story I was going to get here. And look, like I said, I, I know that athletes play hurt all the time. I mean, my colleague Rob Brown on the hockey broadcasts says that after the first game of the season, you have you are in pain. Like something's something's wrong. You can usually keep playing, but, but something's wrong. And I know that applies, of course, in football as well. And I admire what you did, and I understand why you did it. But I also want to ask from the counterpoint that if I was a coach and I knew one of my players couldn't make a tackle with one of his arms then i'm like well that's like 50 of his arms that he can't really use so did, did coach jones uh not know or did he just trust you that much or like what happened in terms of the relationship with jones there
2: you know it was a factor of both and ultimately when the bicep is torn coaches are saying well can he still play because that's the first instinct a coach goes to and i i Did everything in my power, and I remember the game had happened. It was a pre-student game in Saskatchewan at the old barn they had, and I was still tackling. I was still playing. I remember looking over to one of my teammates saying, Dang, man, I think something's wrong with my arm because I can't even extend it. And then (laughs) I, I showed him it, and it was just this big ball right in my bicep, and to this day, I still have that ball. But, you know, it was just one of those things where I wasn't going to be denied. And I'm not one to pat myself on my back or anything, Reed, but I had gone through so much adversity coming off a torn patella tendon and fighting my way back and having a good, successful finish in 2013 and getting some sacks and some tackles. I was at a point where I was so hungry and I knew the job was mine and I wasn't going to be denied. So, I don't know. Call me crazy. Call me. You know, egotistical, but I wasn't going to be denied with that, and I wasn't going to let that arm injury hurt me, and with Coach Jones and knowing what he's about coming into town and having him be our new coordinator and coach, I was going to do everything I could to try and be a starter on that defense, and it's amazing how it unfolds, because I not only had a good season that year, but I had the best season of my career. I was the... Uh, at then, the Eskimos, now Elks, most outstanding Canadian, and I had a great season defensively and arguably my best season statistically in the CFL. So it's just amazing how it happens. Um, when you play those games, you kind of get numb to the injury. But uh, nonetheless, I it was a, a tough nine weeks because it was a pretty sore arm I played with, but I wouldn't change a thing because, you know, long and short – Torn bicep in 2014 is nothing compared to the Great Cup in 2015.
1: Well, I won't call you crazy. I, I mean, I, I know Blake Dermott, so I know it's the uh, offense. You could
2: call better. me. It, it's funny, Reed. I'm, I'm I'm golfing with Blake right now, and he's called me crazy plenty of times. Oh, you're fun. You, you call me crazy.
1: I didn't realize you're golfing with Blake right now. Well, he knows that I always give the offensive lineman a, a hard time. Okay, so you said you still have that ball, though. So, how did the bicep? heal then if you still have the remains of the injury to this
2: day well unfortunately it never actually got a chance to heal because i played that game i didn't miss miss a snap and i wasn't going to miss a snap because i knew this was my opportunity to really try and make my hay in the cfl although i had some opportunities early in my career but i got hurt during those opportunities with the knee injury and with the knee you can't play but my mentality was a bicep you know what I can play. As long as I can somewhat move my arm a little bit, I can play. So that's that's kind of the approach I took it because I was coming off so much adversity, and I wasn't willing to just accept it, for lack of a better word, because I was coming off such a significant knee injury, and I was at a desperation point where it was make or break it with the new coaching staff, and I was going to make it with uh, everything in my heart, and I wasn't going to settle for anything less.
1: All right. Well, Eddie, thanks for sharing that. I, I love that story. Thanks for telling us that tonight. Okay, so Elk season started, couldn't get it done uh, a Saturday, but the defensive line, which I know you appreciate, had an awesome game. We had Kwaku Boteng on the show last night. He had two sacks. They had five sacks as a team. I think they were inches away from having seven or eight, but I think Matt Nichols fell forward across the line of scrimmage on a couple of plays. Typical that,
2: quarterback. Typical yeah. quarterback. <laughs>
1: That really were sacks, and, and I, I asked Kwaku about technique versus power. I've asked you about technique versus power. So, what so what works then for those, you know, the the rotation of guys on the Elks defensive line that you saw uh, on Saturday? How come, like, like they're so effective as a group? It's not just one guy, but the other three aren't doing much. They were, they were all getting pressure, and they all got on the stat
2: sheet. You know what? It, it's such a balance, and I'm sorry if you can hear the wind in the background. Just a quick shout I'm um, playing golf at the Tom Wilkinson Golf Tournament, the Memorial Tournament here. So that's why there's some wind. But it's it's such a balance because you got to have technique, but you got to have power. And I know I'm taking some of the shine away from you, but you look at a Mondo, and I know you want to talk about Mondo. And Mondo is so based off ta- um, physical strength because he just takes old linemen and throws them to the ground. Guys like Kwaku, guys like Mike Moore, it's it's a physical, or sorry, it's a technical battle. And these guys, they got to bring the right technique against the offensive linemen because if you don't have your technique on point, it's going to be hard to win. And there's not many guys who are like a Mondo, like who I talked about earlier, because he's the strongest human being I've ever played with or against. So with the other guys, it's all about your technique, how you approach the offensive linemen, And honestly, how the offensive linemen approach you because they're watching film, the exact same film as you. And in this instance, you could say Montreal almost has an edge because they haven't played a game yet. And Edmonton, they played a game. So you could see what the defensive linemen like to do. You don't know what Montreal likes to do on the line of scrimmage, so it's hard to tell. So Montreal definitely has an edge in terms of watching the film and kind of getting a leg up on the offensive and defensive line of what the Elks like to do. Okay. Yeah. And I know you got to
1: get back to the round and obviously this is the, the, the golden bears, uh, Tom Wilkinson tournament honoring the former double league quarterback and golden bears coach and his incredible contributions to football in the city. So yeah, Mondo says, uh, Trevor Harris is going to fold when you hit him. I talked about this last night with Kwaku and, and Chris Morris chimed in as well. And Chris Morris said, well, like, it's not like Trevor's going to hear that and give up and start thinking he's a bad quarterback. Um, I know talking's part of the game and th- there are far worse things he could have said, but wh- what do you think when you hear a player uh, say that publicly about an opponent?
2: You know what? As a, a former defensive lineman, I hear Armando saying, and I get it. I totally get it. With that being said, it's a new year. It's a new team. You're playing new offensive line. You haven't played these guys before but I totally get where Mondo's coming from because I was the exact same way when Edmonton let me go pretty unceremoniously back in uh, the off season of 2017, heading into that season. All I wanted to do was prove a point to them and hit Mike Riley. And you know what? The first game I played against the Elks or Eskimos back then, I got one of my biggest hits ever on Mike and Without my ego taking advantage, I feel like that was one of my best quarterback hits, but we came out and we won that game pretty handily, and I feel like it's because I rocked Mike so hard, and I don't know if you have the tape, but if you go back and rewind that game, you see the way I hit him. His head rocked off of the turf, and I'm not proud of that because I'm all for player safety, but the way I hit Mike and the way his head bounced off of the turf, I felt that was a determining factor for us winning the game in Saskatchewan because he was not making the throws he would normally make. He was not making the reads he would normally make. And honestly, that was my only impact in the game, but that was my mission and my goal as a defensive lineman to come out and rock that quarterback, and that's what I did. And you know what? Lo and behold, we won the game. So I feel like I did a, a job well done, but I'm not one for getting guys hurt. But I I do get where Mondo's coming from because this guy is a Ring of Honor guy. One of the best defensive linemen the Elks have ever seen in their history. I've played with him. I've played against him. Heck of a player. Heck of a guy. And it's going to be interesting to see what he does this weekend. With that being said, I want Trevor to come out, have a game the way he had last weekend in terms of moving the ball and having the yards. But let's have some success with it. Stats are only one thing. Let's put up some some dubs in the wind column and move on forward to the next game so it'll be cool to see how the both teams come out and play
1: all right well i i thought you'd be done your round by the time you came on so thanks for coming on mid-round i'm sure you're carrying blake uh and uh, hopefully i i know we can't really see each other a lot but hopefully we can wave to each other at the stadium on saturday man really appreciate it
2: hey Shout out to Dwayne Mandruziak, former equipment manager. He's actually hitting my balls for me. So I got to go walk about 150 yards and catch these guys up because he okay. made me miss my last couple shots.
1: There we go. That is Eddie Steele checking in from the Tom Wilkinson golf tournament staged by Golden Bears Football. Well, I, I didn't know the extent of that, uh, what he battled through in 2014 with the torn bicep tendon and basically having a mostly useless left arm for about the first half of that season and still having a pretty good year. Talk about playing through pain. Talk about playing with.
2: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness and resilience that sets Marines apart with our fighting spirit. We don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: Injury. It's 651. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Yes, it certainly is Inside Sports, mysterious announcer, man. If you sign up for that podcast, we will get you an Inside Sports canned ham, one of the most coveted canned hams in the history of broadcasting. 780-496-0063 is how you can get in touch. We'll have some open line time in the next half hour of the show. We're also going to have our 630 Chet Inside Sports golf trivia to send you and three friends, again, three other people. They do not have to be your friends. Uh, out for a day of golf at Edmonton Springs. We're giving away those passes every day this week, and then we're going to do it again, I believe, the week of the 23rd to the 27th. Dave Campbell's going to be in for me next week. I'm going to take a week off and uh, play some golf and do some other stuff myself. We will have, uh, we got the Elks' first away game of the season in Vancouver. That's on Thursday, the 19th, one week from today. But first, Elks and Montreal, the Alouettes. Saturday, earlier start, 5 p.m. Saturday. I believe it's going to be really hot on Saturday. Isn't the high up uh, around 33 or something for Saturday? I was listening to the weather earlier. I just don't retain information as well as I used to. What do we have for the, uh, the high on Saturday is 32. So it'll probably be a little cooler than that by the time they kick off at five, our countdown to kickoff here on six 30, Chad is going to start at uh three 30. Yeah. A lot of injury talk in the first hour of the show. Slater cuckoo telling you about uh, coming back from the collarbone injury and uh, his bone being 60% healed by the time he got back into action, but he was held together by that metal plate, so he was cleared to play. And Eddie Steele, with a very detailed story on uh, tearing his uh, bicep tendon in training camp in 2014, he said it balled up like a rubber band, and he still has that poking out of his arm to this day. That was uh, – hey – we all know about playing hurt, though, right? I mean, last week I was golfing at Riverside. It was it was really hot, and I, I was quite thirsty the last three holes, but I made it through. Now, 7-3 for the White Sox, leading the Yankees, top of the fifth in the cornfield. Blue Jays and Angels coming up just after 7-30. It's Inside Sports on Chad. 6-30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6-30 Chad.